Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Welcome back, Raider Nation. Uh, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. It is a Monday. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Uh, file this one under the... Um, you never know who might be listening, uh, file, but I get a text uh, from a good friend of mine back in California, uh, huge, huge, huge Minnesota Vikings fan, uh, and uh, his, his his he texted me, "Don't be trying to steal Hunter. Uh, I'm watching you, Vinny. Don't be helping out the silver and black with any ideas." Huge Vikings fan. He's talking about De- uh, Daniel Hunter, uh, the Vikings defensive end, who I'm proposing uh, should he hit. Uh, the trade market, which uh, based on his, uh, it's kind of like a Stefan Diggs sort of a situation, maybe uh, developing in Minnesota, where where uh, maybe money and some other considerations might mean a great player being available in a trade, and just like the Buffalo Bills pounced on uh, a trade to go get Stefan Diggs, made all the difference to that offense, made all the difference to jo- uh, to, uh, to Josh Allen, their young quarterback. Uh, it could be the case where uh, Daniel Hunter, a dominant, dominant, dominant defensive end, uh, yes, he missed last year with a with a neck injury, uh, but by all um, uh, reports, uh, he is online to be completely healthy by the time OTAs and training camp rolls around. This is a guy who, in 2018 and 2019, combined for 30 sacks. 30 sacks in two years, has 56 over a five-year career, is still super, super young. He's a dominant player, much like DeForest Buckner changed uh, the Indianapolis Colts defensive line, much like Stephon Diggs completely changed the offense uh, for the Buffalo Bills, uh, and much like Jamal Adams uh, really improved uh, the Seattle Seahawks defense. Look what happened once he got there uh, and, and where that defense was uh, uh, pre- prior to Jamal Adams getting to, to Seattle and what it turned out to be, um, you make trades for dominant players when dominant players become available. And I you know, remember talking to Mike Mayock about the possibility of using that first-round pick, number 17 all, 17 overall, for an established veteran. And you know, his answer was, you know, first you got to figure out, well, who's available? Uh, who, who really is out there? And then you look at, okay, who is that player? Let's let's put a grade on him. Let's let's compare him to who we have, uh, and and see if it's worth, you know, uh, per- pursuing. And he's not ruling uh, that out, nor should he. The Rams, the team that I covered before uh, coming over here to Las to, to Las Vegas, uh, have a have have made it a. Um, it's almost. They've changed kind of the the way uh, I look at uh, first round picks, um, and and sometimes when to go for it, when not to go for it, when to utilize your first round pick uh, to be an asset for you for a veteran player rather than a younger player. The Rams haven't had a first round pick since 2016, literally, and they won't unless they trade for one over these next couple of years. They won't have one until 2024. They haven't missed a beat. Look at who they've traded those first-round picks for. Jalen Ramsey, um, uh, Brandon Cooks, who helped them get to a Super Bowl. Um, uh, now um, the quarterback from uh, Matthew Stafford from, from the Detroit Lions, Marcus Peters, who helped them get to a Super Bowl. They traded a first-round pick uh, for him. And they haven't missed because or, – or, or, or they haven't taken any steps back because they also draft really well and develop really well. Uh, and that's the trick to it all. Uh, is being able to to draft well, develop well, and to to understand like, hey, 
I remember talking to Les Snead, the, the, the Rams general manager, after they traded a couple of firsts for Jalen Ramsey. He was like, we're not going to get a player of Jalen Ramsey's uh, ability where we're drafting at 23, 24, 26, whatever it was. You're just not going to get that kind of a an impact player right off the bat, proven guy uh, right off the bat with that you know drafting at that point in the draft. You're not going to get a pass rusher the level of Daniel Hunter with the 17th pick, you, you may eventually, and and I'm not sitting here saying that it's not, uh, you know, uh, within the realm uh, of possibility that you can. I mean, even Daniel Hunter was drafted in the third round. He was a young kid coming out of LSU, was kind of a raw prospect. Uh, the, the Vikings got super lucky with that pick uh, in the third round. But in terms of like a guy that you can count on stepping in right now and being a disruptive force at defensive end, changing the entire dynamic of your defensive line and your defense, everything behind him, I would give up the 17th pick and then some, maybe even a first-round pick the next year uh, in 2022 or a second-round pick in 2022. That's how highly I think of Daniel Hunter. And my, fu- my friend in California is uh, a huge Vikings fan and saying, stop it. Uh, we don't want to lose Daniel Hunter, and I get it. From the Vikings' perspective, that dude is a bad, 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 bad dude. Uh, so there you go. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line, by the way. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Monday in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Raider Rick uh, is on the line, wants to talk about the Raiders. How are you doing, Raider Rick? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I wanted to piggyback. Uh, first off, uh, what you just said, uh, Daniel Hunter uh, would be a uh, uh, big cog in the uh, defensive uh, uh, scheme of things, uh, especially to, with a new coordinator coming in. Uh, but I wanted to pig. I kind of wanted to talk about that last caller. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not a. Uh, uh, what they call, if you uh, read Twitter and all that, uh, uh, a stan or anything like that, I'm objective. And Carr get, takes some serious abuse for, and, and I'm not sure what they expect of him. Um, you know, going through the coaching changes and things of that nature and the coordinator changes, and, you know, you went from Musgrave to. Todd Downing, which was a disaster, and then starting all over again. And, and, I mean, this guy has not gotten a fair shake until Gruden got there. And uh, he's progressed since. Now, do Absolutely. I think is, yeah, do I think Carr is Johnny Unitas? No. <laughs> but uh, he's very good and could get us to – the promised land, if our defense is giving up 35 points a game. Um, you know, it, it just it baffles me. They expect, oh, we can get, go out and get this guy or that guy. Um, but Peyton Manning threw interceptions and fumbled. Brett Favre threw a lot of interceptions. Uh, Aaron Rodgers turns the ball over. Uh, none of these guys are perfect. But they expect Derek to be perfect. I, I mean, what are your thoughts? Like, yeah, no, I I, I completely agree. And um, you look at you know the fumbles last year. You had eleven fumbles last year. Um, it needs to get cleaned up. Three of those fumbles though were in one game against the Atlanta Falcons, where 
for whatever reason, nobody Which showed up in that game. The Raiders offense, the Raiders defense. Opinion. Yeah, it was just one of those games where uh, everything went sour, uh, including along the offensive line. Um, he, uh, you know, Derek Carr was playing under under siege. You can you can um, you know quibble on who's was at ultimate fault on all three of those fumbles. Uh, but uh, it was definitely a combination across the board of bad blocking and then quarterback getting hit and not holding on to the ball, whatever. But, but even you know, saying that, they, it's not an outlandish number of, the, of, of fumbles that he had. And if you look at the quarterbacks uh, that had eight fumbles, uh, nine fumbles, uh, it's some pretty good company uh, that you're in. So I, I, I understand that you, know, you need to do better, and there's no question about it. But that's not why the Raiders didn't make the playoffs. Derek Carr isn't the reason why they didn't make the playoffs. Derek Carr is one of the reasons why they were as close to making the playoffs as they did. And it's not just I was that they just were... getting ready to say that. I, I would wager to say that Carr is probably closer to the reason we finished 8-8 eight and eight and not 6-10. and 10. No doubt about it. And I keep reiterating this. You look at three specific games – where and we had um, uh, Alec Ingold, the, the the Raiders fullback, on uh, last week, and and in his mind, the Raiders were literally three plays away uh, from winning three games that they that would have put them at eleven five and in the playoffs. Um, he even brought himself up for not making a catch against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I had to remind him that he was playing with broken ribs. There's no uh, dishonor in not being able to go up and get a ball. Uh, when you're dealing with that kind of an injury, but be that as it may, in in Alex's uh, estimation, the Raiders were three plays from being 11 and five. I agree with them, and I think that when it came right down to it, and you're looking at that Chiefs game, and you're looking at that uh, Chargers game, and you're looking at that uh, Miami Dolphins game, all three of those plays um, needed to be made by the defense. The offense left the field. Uh, with a minute 43 against the Kansas City Chiefs with the lead, in overtime against the Chargers with the lead, and with 19 seconds left against the Miami Dolphins. The seconds. Miami Dolphins started that Miami drive. Yes, yeah. man, that, that, that kills me. Right, so he's not seconds. the reason why. I, 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 I get where um, you know uh, Gangster Raider is, is coming from, but I, I don't get um, the dislike for Carr. Carr is not the reason that this team has not been in the playoffs. And he certainly was, was the reason, like you said, uh, Raider Rick, uh, why they were even as close as they were. Get the defense fixed, and um, and you're going to be in business. You're really going to be in business. Now, let me ask you this. You know, I, I, I threw out you know, Daniel Hunter's name, um, and we don't know if it's going to be Daniel Hunter or somebody else, but are you at that point now with, with all the youth that's on that defense, and, and there is potential, and there's promise, there is talent, uh, would you like to see the Raiders perhaps use a draft pick asset uh, to go get a proven uh, veteran on defense to, to, to help this thing along? Vinny, 1,000%. Uh, there are guys out there that could help this team now that would fit uh, Gus Bradley's scheme. Uh, and uh, because we've not hit on recent picks, uh, things of that nature. We get a proven guy like Hunter. Uh, I mean, you've got Van Noy that's being dangled out there. Uh, uh, KJ Wright, you've got, uh, uh, we definitely have, I think we, in my personal opinion, we have to have a veteran free safety. 
I don't I think agree. you can bring a rookie in at free safety and expect them to uh, do what Gus asks them to do. I think you have to have a veteran. And uh, to be honest, I think you, I mean, you have to have a good mix of veterans. And uh, I don't disagree with bringing in Richard Sherman uh, for a couple years and helping these guys along. He's still productive, uh, and he could be a little bit of guidance to these guys. Yeah, and that's why it's so interesting with the uh, with the AJ uh, Boye um, visit uh, today and, and uh, presumably tomorrow. Um, I think that he's a guy that can actually be fill that kind of a role. Um, he's not Richard Sherman, um, although he's had some really good years, um, uh, uh, certainly so. And uh, his best years were in that defense, um, the Gus Bradley uh, system. So uh, a veteran like that that can come in and. Um, you know, whether it's compete with Damon Arnett for that starting job, um, or maybe one of those two moves over to, to replace LaMarcus Joyner uh, at the slot cornerback position. I, I, I really think a veteran cornerback uh, along those lines uh, would be, would be a, a really valuable uh, pickup. But you're right about free aid, or excuse me, free safety. I think it's imperative that the Raiders invest money in free agency on one of those top. Uh, free safeties. I think I think that is such a critical position that they have to fill, um, and and you're you're also absolutely right. It takes a combination of youth uh, and and experience. It's funny because you know John Gruden, um, the the, uh, the the scouting report on John Gruden was always that he's you know all about the veteran players, getting veteran players, um, you know, and and that was what. The perception was of him that he was going to, you know, uh, sacrifice youth for veterans and maybe give up some draft picks to go get veteran players. Well, <laughs> this Raiders team is really young. Uh, I, I just have to say that it's very, very young. The, the you know, the the offensive line is going to get younger uh, this year. Uh, outside of a few guys, it's a very young team, and it's almost ironic. And I, I've I've talked to John Gruden about about this about. You know, kind of funny for a coach that is supposedly all about the veterans playing so many young players. And I think it kind of was at a little bit at the detriment uh, of the Raiders last year. So many young players. And I only say that because of the way the uh, offseason was structured. It just wasn't. It was a bad mix between not having an offseason to build a foundation and then relying on so many young players. I love young players. I love draft picks. I love promise and potential and all of that. Uh, but but but. Without the benefit of an offseason, um, I think the, the Raiders felt that. They felt uh, the youth and they felt the lack of a foundation um, in the spring. So, you know, hopefully things can get turned around in that regard. Like, there's going to be a real uh, offseason. You put Gus Bradley in there with this young defense, add some veteran players to this mix. Uh, I don't think there's any reason whatsoever, uh, as I sit here today, uh, on March 8th, 2021, I don't think there's any reason why this defense can, can't take a, a nice step forward, like a step forward that puts this Raiders team in legit position uh, to be a playoff contender. They were there last year, even without a, a very good defense. That defense was bad last year statistically. If they can get that improved, uh, then a team that was knocking on the playoff door last year, I think, is going to knock down that playoff door. You're in the right. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor, Lincoln Kennedy. Brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Talk to you on the other side.
Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Let's go right back out to the Raider Nation listener line. By the way, you're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Monday in the Huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Rich wants to talk about the Raiders. How you doing, Rich? What's up, Vinny? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good, brother. Man, thank you very much. Oh man, dude, I you know I was down there uh, by uh, you know downtown Redlands. Man, they've changed all that up, dude. You got to go try the Eureka Burger next time you're down there, dude. Which really? one is it? What are we talking about? The Eureka, the Eureka uh, Burger down there. Oh, okay. Thank you for the heads up. I am all over that. Right, right. Hey, hey, Vinny. Like, I everybody keeps. How can I put this? Look, I don't understand everybody. Everybody's up in a. If I don't, if I don't, if I don't agree with somebody, or 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 something else, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be more to war. You yes, know, I, I agree I, with you. I, I, I mean, like, dude, I don't. I don't believe in Derek Carr. You know, I, I don't. I mean, I root for him. I don't, I don't, I don't trust him. You know, you know, he choked away just as many games as the defense. You know, hey, I don't think it's cool that our second highest paid offense is ranked 24th in the red zone or that we lead the league in short, short yardage field goals. Okay. That's my personal belief. That doesn't mean I want war with people. Okay. That doesn't mean I want utter war with people or, or fight with people, dude. This is not all worth fighting, dude, because all we want is wins. And people are frustrated because there's no wins. Okay. Is there room? Is there room I, for you? I, I, to- I just want to I, I, I say something before you. I know where you go because you're going to go, is there any room for forgiveness for Derek Carr, dude? Dude, all I want him to do is play better, to play like a seven-year quarter, seventh-year quarterback in the third year in the system. Okay. But my problem is, Vinny, now listen to me. We're all, everybody, every since the time I turn on the radio in the morning at 7 o'clock to listen to Pritch and Clay, it's a defense, it's a defense, it's a defense. Uh, <laughs> the offensive line makes almost as much as the defense, the whole defense. We are talking that, that that's, you have to have the dollar amount around Derek Carr to be successful. Okay. So that means you're going to have to leave. Now, do I think that this, these, the cupboard is bare? No, I don't. But what I'm saying is everybody keeps saying, oh, it's not fair that Derek Carr doesn't have a top 10 defense, but you're not going to have a top 10 defense when you have to pay for a high price offensive line. You're not going to have, you're not going to have that. You know, nobody spent more on the offensive line than the Raiders. And how long? Why? To keep Derek upright. Okay, but th- there, there's going to be casualties. It's a hard cap. And I don't think people really realize that. Dude. Everything isn't just the defense. It's a collective thing. You know, the offense has to play complementary to the defense. You know, and, and that's the weaker part of the team. It's supposed to, The offense is supposed to be the stronger part of the team, right? 
Yep. And, 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 and I, I, I totally agree. That's why, um, you know, what I've stressed is, and even when I was watching it afar from, you know, when I was covering the Rams, uh, just on, and I, we came up, oh boy, in 2018, the Rams opened their season against the Raiders. Uh, and then a year later, um, uh, covering the Rams, we came up to uh, Napa Valley to practice against the Raiders. So there was a week that the that the Rams practiced against the Raiders prior to playing them in the um, you know in, in, in the preseason. I just remember that 2018 team uh, and just sit, thinking to myself, man, the Raiders are a ways off. There was it just offensively and defensively, it just wasn't happening. It, you know, and it's hard. You mentioned the hard salary cap, and I'm right there with you. It is, it, it is, it's a real thing. And when you have to simultaneously build both sides of the ball, it's really hard to do. You're not, both sides aren't going to get there at the same time. It's almost impossible. It really is, especially where the starting points for both sides of the ball were um, when John Gruden took over. Um, I think that the offense, there's no doubt that the offense uh, has been a couple of steps ahead of the uh, defense, especially this or this past season. I think the offense really came together um, last year, and that's why they scored, you know, the tenth most points in the NFL. That's why Derek Carr had a top ten caliber uh, um, t- uh, season as a quarterback. Um, it wasn't perfect. Uh, you mentioned it. They need to get better in the red zone in terms of scoring touchdowns. Um, you know that 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 that'll obviously help. I think that. Play calling was, you know, it was sometimes an issue. Execution was sometimes an issue. I think the Raiders need to develop another red zone weapon. I think Darren Waller, being kind of like that only red, big big target, you know, red zone target, uh, I think at times uh, has hurt them. I think Foster Moreau can be, um, you know, he kind of was coming back from that injury, uh, and I think as the season went on, he started getting better. I think you're going to see Foster Moreau be more of a of a uh, of a factor in the red zone, I think that's going to help um, turn you know uh, uh, improving that that touchdown ratio. But you make a good point that a lot of the money was on the offensive side of the ball uh, this past season in 2019. You know they did start investing more uh, you know defensively with the signing of Corey Littleton, with the signing of Nick Kwiatkowski, with the signing of Malik Collins, with the signing of Carl Nassib. Uh, Demarius Randall was signed. Uh, Prince Amukamara was signed. Neither of those players made it out of training camp, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, and in addition to that, there was, it wasn't money that the Raiders were investing, but they were investing, uh, uh, um, investing high draft picks <clears throat> on the defense uh, when you're talking about, you know, Cleve Farrell uh, and Jonathan Abram and uh, Trayvon Mullen uh, and Damon Arnett. That's a lot of draft capital, first and second uh, picks, first and second round picks. Um, but nevertheless, as you mentioned, with this hard cap and having to build on both sides of the ball, the offense um, was ahead of that race. I, I think that the defense now, um, I don't believe that the, 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 the cupboard is bare. And I heard that from defensive coordinators who were inter- interested in becoming the new defensive coordinator. I specifically asked them uh, that question, and they felt, no, there's talent there. Uh, it's young, uh, and, and in some cases maybe the, the, the talent wasn't being utilized correctly, uh, but there was interest in the Raiders' defensive coordinator job because there was an acknowledgement that there's talent there to work with, and that's on top of what they're going to do in free agency, what they might do in the draft, what they might do with that draft pick in trading it for for a veteran player. 
Um, so I, I think that this year coming up, if that defense, the defense doesn't need to be a top 10 uh, NFL defense. If it is, hey, that's great. You know, that's, that's, that's uh, defying expectations. Uh, uh, and that would certainly do wonders uh, for this team. But if you look at what they did last year offensively, the defense doesn't need to be top 10. It just needs to be like top 16, 17. You just can't be giving up 30 points a game. That's too much to ask uh, for, for the offense to overcome. You can't, have, you, you can't expect the offense to be like a 30, 35-point offense every single week. It just doesn't work uh, that way. And they were still, in spite of that, in spite of the fact that that's what the offense's reality was last year, they like literally had to score that many points uh, to win games, save for the, the game against the Cleveland Browns. Um, they still were, they still gave the defense the lead in with a minute 43 left at 19 seconds left and an overtime. They still played well enough themselves offensively to win 11 games. They got let down by the defense far too uh, often. And if you want to go specific, that game against the Chiefs, the game against the Miami Dolphins, the game against the Los Angeles Chargers, the defense couldn't get stops at the end of the game, and they lost games they should have won as a result. I'm not saying that the offense is perfect. They need, uh, as Rick says, they need to get better in red zone uh, proficiency. They actually improved in red zone efficiency this year. But it was it was more, and they did actually improve touchdown uh, percentage wise in the red zone. It needs it just wasn't enough on the touchdown end of it. Uh, they kicked a bunch of field goals, and that helped the overall efficiency. Because if you go back a year before that, 2019, there were times where they weren't even getting field goals because they either turned it over or turned it over on downs or got into the red zone and then a stupid pe penalty knocked them out of the red zone uh, you know and, and out of field goal range there's a whole combination of things on why as an offense in the red zone uh, they weren't that good and as a result of that they only averaged 19 points a game uh, in, in 2019 they they definitely got better in the red zone they were more efficient they were less less turnovers they didn't commit as many penalties uh, in that area of the field but when it came to scoring touchdowns, uh, they weren't as good as they needed to be. Um, and as a result, too many times drives ended with field goals. Now, I'll say this. The Raiders also wanted to get much more explosive uh, last year, coming off 2019, and they absolutely did that. So when we talk about them sometimes stalling in the red zone in terms of the touchdowns, if you go back, if you, if you <laughs> one more yard back and say, uh, uh, touchdowns of 20 or more yards. They more than doubled that. They were one of the best teams in the NFL in explosive touchdowns, in scoring touchdowns of 20 or more yards. That doubled. I think they went from 8 or 7 to like 18. I have to look at it again. Uh, they, they, they were really good at scoring touchdowns from 20 yards or more. So that kind of compensated um, for how they sometimes stalled in terms of touchdowns in the red zone. But if they could get that part of it fixed, and I, and I really believe when you look at Foster Moreau, Brian Edwards, those two players, I think those two players in the red zone next year, if they make the necessary uh, improvements, I think are going to pay big dividends in that area of the field. That's what Brian Edwards was flashing in 
uh, training camp. He got hurt early in the season. Um, it kind of derailed him for a little while. And as a rookie, it's hard to sometimes come back. Once that train leaves the, the station, you have to play catch up as a rookie to kind of catch back up to where you were. And by that time, the, the, the train is even further down down the road. So um, I think with a full off season, a training camp and being healthy, Brian Edwards in the red zone could be somebody to really keep an eye on. And there's somebody that I think he and Foster can help uh, turn some of those field goals into touchdowns simply by being better weapons for, for Derek Carr in the offense. I also think they need to run the ball better uh, in the red zone. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I think that they have the pieces in place uh, to get better to get better in that area. Um, and, I, and if that's the case, uh, the offense obviously will be better off. But we really need to see uh, improvement on the defense. You're in the huddle of Vinny Monster and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila and Baja. <laughs>
can be as good as Derek, just as as good as Derek Carr. Why aren't they, you know, banging down the Raiders' door to trade for him, especially at that contract at ten million dollars a year? Well, haven't they though? Or, or do we? Or we don't really know what's going on back there, and you know, behind the scenes. But we, we really don't know. But but he wouldn't have to be that good as Carr. We just go more to a power running game. I mean, Waller makes everybody better. Yeah. So I, I don't know that. I'm just saying, Gruden makes quarterbacks better. We do know that. He's made Carr better. And that's his specialty. I don't know about his personnel. But I also think the draft picks, I'm going to say this real quick, Vinny. I don't uh, fault our draft picks for two reasons. Draft pick is the luck of the draw. You think back to 2018, if we don't beat the Cardinals, we got Joey Bosa. Exactly. Other than that, who is the player we could have taken that would have been that man? There's nobody on there. And when I hear White for the Buccaneers, I mean, White has some of the best defensive line. It makes his job pretty easy. So I, I get here to, tired of hearing the crap about White because I actually like Cleve Farrell. But who is yeah, that? And, and, well, if you look at Devin White, uh, as good as he played, especially down the stretch, go look at his he's, – he's, you know, just by, by the grading system of Pro Football Focus, which I put a lot of credence into, uh, Devin White has a long way to go. Um, now, I'm not saying he's not going to get there. I really think that he's a, 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 a good player and a good young player. Cleveland Farrell graded out decidedly better as a whole this year compared to Devin White. So, and and he he graded out higher than um, the kid from Kentucky. The you know was it Josh Allen, the kid that everybody yeah. wanted uh, them to draft as well. Uh, now, there's some guys that were definitely drafted further down the draft that that you know have performed a little bit better than than Cleve Farrell, but not by any crazy kind of like, oh my gosh, they completely missed on this guy. I, I, I don't see it. I don't see who the Raiders completely right. whiffed on by drafting. There's not Keith been Earl. a for just, sure guy anywhere. You know, like I keep thinking about that Arizona game. I don't know if you remember that, Vinny, or if you were covering the Raiders then when they, I they wasn't, somehow yeah. beat Arizona. And it gave, <laughs> so we ended up getting Farrell instead of Bosa, I think is the way that went. But if we just lose that game to Arizona, we got Bosa, and all this talk about our pass rush is probably not even here. But it's that just the draft is kind of a luck of the draw. I know that, but I was just thinking that the other day because I would hate to see us trade for Russell or Deshaun Watson because I think it would set us back years. I just it doesn't make sense to me. I don't know. Uh, can what, I tell you a quick story that? about that about winning a game or losing a game late in the season and affecting your your your, your draft status? Um, it, it was it was the 2000. It might have been the same exact year. Oh no no no! It was uh, this was 2015. Okay, and the Rams got beat by the San Francisco 49ers. Um, it was a game where they got they missed a field goal and they got a field goal blocked. It was some crazy circumstance that they they ended up losing to the San Francisco 49ers in 2015. Season ending loss, right? And Les Snead, the, the the Rams general manager, tells me a story about how he's driving home just despondent, right? And his wife is in the car with him, and his wife said, "Well, honey, you know, look at it this way: had you won that game, had you won today, you'd have been drafted like twenty first or twenty second. It was some, something like that. But because you lost, now you have. I think it was like the fourteenth or fifteenth pick in the draft. So he's <laughs> like, he goes, I'm driving and I'm despondent, and I look at her like, I love you, you know, like like you get it, you understand <laughs> it. And as it turns out, that pick <laughs> was was one of the key picks." That gave the Raider, that gave the Rams, um, they, it put them in reach to go get the number one pick in the following draft. They traded that pick plus you know other first round picks down the line to go move up to the, in the draft to be able to get Jared Goff. He, the way well, Les explains it is, had we won that game, 
I don't think that the Tennessee Titans are taking the 20th pick or whatever that we would have had. That it, it wouldn't have been enough. So, yes, you know, when you go back to that, 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 for, that game against the Cardinals, that removed them out of the possibility of getting Joey Bosa, who we can all agree is just a better player than Cleve right. Farrell. He's a dynamic player. That's who the Raiders wanted to draft, and I'm sure they were praying upon praying that somehow, some way, he would have fallen to them, if not tried to trade up to go get him. So, like you said, it's sometimes the luck of the draw. Sometimes with that fourth pick, you, the Hall of Fame guy is not there. It just it, right. it, it works out that way sometimes in, in drafts. Well, Answer me one more question, Vinny, and I'll get off here and leave you alone. Uh, why did we sign? The thing is, when I look at Mariota's contract, it does it makes sense to me. Like they, like they thought he was going to be a starter or something. The way they're paying him, I'm just confused on why we even brought him in there. You know, I mean, when you look at his contract, they were par- paying Mariota like it looked like they were telling him you might be a starter. Am I am I reading that wrong? Uh, no, I don't think there was ever any real consideration that he was going to be the starter. Um, and a lot of his deal, this is what, this is kind of what, I'll tell you what drives me a little bit crazy about this is that now there's the report that, you know, like if he, if he hits a bunch of incentives, right? Um, like, like, let, let's just say Derek Carr, uh, gets hurt this year. Okay. And he's still on the roster. I don't think Marcus Mariota, I don't think there's any chance that Marcus Mariota is going to be on the roster, uh, this year for the Raiders. Okay. But let's just say he was, or let's just say a team trades for him. All right, and he hits every every um, incentive clause in his contract. It changes it from like ten million to I don't know, like seventeen million. I'd have to look at the exact numbers, but there's a way for him to make a lot more money uh, in 2021 by hitting all sorts of incentives, right? And right. supposedly that's a reason why teams might be wary of trading for him rather than just waiting for him to hit the open market, which he probably will if the Raiders can't find a trade. But here's what I'm thinking. Okay, so what if he hits all those incentives? Don't you want that? Wouldn't you be willing to pay for that? You know, the extra $7 million, $8 million or so that it might be? Because I'm sure a lot of that means your team's probably being put in a much better position because your quarterback is playing really well. So that doesn't that to me that wouldn't be the reason why I didn't trade for Marcus Mariota that I that I may have to pay him X amount of more dollars than what looks like on that contract because I'd rather have a guy playing really well. I'll gladly pay for that. So that doesn't that one doesn't make any sense to me. But yes, uh he's slated to make ten point seven million dollars next year this year if he hits a bunch of incentives uh, it, it goes up. I think the I think the Raiders, the way the way they structured that deal it was like, hey, look, you have a chance if you get in there and you and you play well, and you're going to make a lot more money. Sometimes you have to do that to get a quarterback of that caliber to come in and be your backup quarterback, which is what the case was last year. Uh, anyway, thank you so much to all the listeners. Uh, we really appreciate it. All the callers, uh, you really brought it today to start the week. Uh, thanks to Demon Cotton, our great producer back uh, at uh, home base. Uh, really appreciate you. We're back at it tomorrow, uh, 4 to 6 p.m. Of course, shout out to uh, Tequila Embajador uh, for uh, for being the great sponsor. A lot of great things coming from uh, Embajador Tequila down the road. Can't wait to share them with you. Uh, really appreciate you guys over there. Uh, and thank you again to the callers and listeners. We'll be back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. In the huddle, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. 